Here's a very personal and challenging question for you. How do you restore a Christian who has fallen away? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about on today's podcast as we conclude our study in the book of James. So get out your Bibles and turn to James chapter 5, and we'll be looking at verses 19 through 20. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast, where we grow in our faith together as we study the Holy Scriptures. As you know, on this platform, we study the Bible chronologically. So if you've just been joining us, maybe through the book of James, we have the Gospels, we have the book of Acts that we have studied in chronological order. And again, as a reminder to all my listeners, whether you've been with me for a long time or you're fairly new, welcome to the podcast. You can always go to standstrongministries.org, click on podcast, you'll see the breakdown of the Gospels, the book of Acts. And as we conclude, conclude I should say, the book of James, uh, you can go there and you can check out my notes as well in whatever platforms you get this podcast. As a reminder, also, when you're on the website, you can click on contact and you can send in your prayer requests. Or if you have a theological apologetic question, you can always submit those as well. I always enjoy receiving those uh, from you guys, from our listeners all over the world. So keep those coming. I love responding as best I can. And also uh, give a shout out to a lot of my friends over there at Christian Post. Just a reminder to my listeners, you guys can get my weekly column that I put out every week out there on Christian Post lately as the time that I'm recording this. I just was discussing three fatal flaws of equity based on the perspective of the left or the secular perspective of equity rather than a biblical one or a consistent one that does enhance and protect the equality that we all as human beings, no matter your creed, your background, or your color, or your ethnicity. And so check that out as well, because as you guys know, in the ministry of Stand Strong Ministries, we defend the faith. And primarily what we do is we go into churches, we work with pastors, parents, and young people, and we equip you guys by a threefold method, embolden you guys in your position in Christ, equip you with a biblical worldview, and teach you strategically how to engage the culture for Christ. And so this podcast is one avenue. Now, I'm also going to give you guys a heads up before we conclude the, you know, in James chapter five, we are probably, we're like, almost there figuring out some of the details with some people about rolling out a new podcast based off of my book that came out in October of, of 2020. And it's going to be called Challenging Conversations with Jason Jimenez. And it's going to be a discussion podcast. I'm going to be bringing on a lot of guests. Uh, it's not an interview format. It's a discussion. So there will be people who will come on who I'm very close with. And so we'll have an open dialogue, a personal dialogue about faith and family and culture and things like that. I'll also bring on people that I'm not familiar with uh, personally, maybe, but I know their work and we'll have a discussion around a particular topic that they've written on or whatever the case may be. And also bring on people who uh, are not of my worldview, uh, people who may be an atheist or people who have deconverted, whatever the case may be. And so uh, be praying for that. I appreciate that because as we study the Bible here, 
one of the things we've been focusing on is how to transition and start providing another podcast where we could be teaching you guys now with a biblical worldview understanding, living out scripture. What does it look like in the culture? It's not just having the right answers, but the right tone and, and being a critical thinker. So I'm so excited about just kind of how we've been planning that, figuring that all out. So with that being said now, man, I'm so excited, you guys, as we conclude this amazing book. I pray again that it's been such a blessing for you, that it's enriched you as it's enriched me. Now, before we conclude and look at the final two verses in James chapter 5, that will be verses 19 and 20, let me take you back to the beginning of our study, you know, holistically in a way, and that's just taking you back to James chapter 5. In the, in the series of James chapter 5, just looking at the, the, the chapter as a whole, was patiently waiting for the return of Christ. And the reason why I titled it that is because that is the main message that James has here and as he rounds things out. Now, as we do await for Christ to return, there are going to be greedy people. There are going to be people who are going to live for themselves in this world. They're not anticipating the return of Christ. They're not looking forward to that. Um, I do believe, as I talked about in the context a few podcasts ago, that he was targeting non-believers and he gives these charge against them to repent. Um, otherwise, they will be judged as a result of that. And so we looked at that. And then one of the other podcasts we looked at is, what does it look like to be patient as we await the return of Christ? And there we saw in verses 7 through 11, James was talking about being a farmer. That's the first illustration that he gave us to wait patient, just like a farmer waits patiently for the crops to grow. Matter of fact, right now, my family and I, we, we had planted some raspberries uh, last spring and, and they're finally budding. And I told them, hey, guys, this plant, it can take a while. So we have to be patient. And so now we've been enjoying some of the raspberries and they're delicious. And it's just a reminder again, as James told us, that we are to wait patiently like a farmer does. And so we are to continue to toil and to cultivate and plant seed and see the crops will come um, at some point, whether it be going through trials and persecution. We are to anticipate the fruit of the gospel that is growing all over the world. So that's what we saw in verses 7 through 11. And then the third part that we talked about in James chapter 5 is how to keep your word. And the challenge there was as Christians, are we consistent? Can people depend on us? Can they trust us that we're not just having to really elicit certain promises just, you know, or invoking a certain promise? or swearing upon something, quote-unquote, greater than us, just to make sure, right, or to reassure people that we're going to commit, right, that we're on board, that they can count on us, that they can trust us. And one of the things, obviously, that we looked at is, again, looking at a prayer for life and being patient for the return of Christ and not being consumed by greed, we have to be people of our word. When you lose that, as you and I know, um, it could be devastating. But we also saw something deeper in a religious framework. And that had to do with this bidding with God and, and making sure that we're not manipulating him. And one of the things I said, let me just read this to you guys real quickly. When you look back in verse 12, let me just read that. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. So in verse 12, it acts as a pivotal marker between patience and prayer. 
So James, remember, he would have no need to bring up oaths if the church wasn't abusing them. For James, this was a big problem. And you guys, it's still a big problem today. If the church continues to make vows and attempt to persuade or manipulate God, their faith will not stand. Now catch this. Bargaining with God is not a biblical practice, but based on false religion, which is why James was mentioning it towards the end of his letter. And then our last podcast was in verses 13 through 18 of James chapter 5, and that title was The Prayers of the Righteous. And we know this passage, and we were digging in deep to understanding what was James referring to when he was talking about, you know, suffrage and being sick and calling upon the elders. What did that look like in the text? What does anointing him with oil mean? And then we look at the famous passage in verse 15, the prayer of the faith, you know, will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. What does that mean? If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. And then he talks about confession in verse 16. And then of course, the prayer of the righteous person uh, does great work. And we looked at that through the examples of Elijah that uh, James had set forth. And so that's where now contextually we end the book of James by looking at verses 19 and 20. And the title for this podcast is Restoring Christians Who Have Fallen Away. Listen to these words from James, the half-brother Jesus. He concludes by saying, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save. Now let me just pause and give you the Greek understanding. And I'm going to go back actually and give you two other Greek understandings in the text. Matter of fact, as I'm looking at it, I've listed four. And the first one that we see here that is important is, is going back to verse 19 in the word here, wanders. That is the Greek word pleneo, which literally means to be led astray by one's behavior. So there is an error that this is, you know, may, is, is like explaining in a sense, or there's a connotation here of error or a serious departure of some sort. So if anyone among you wanders, so if there's a, a particular error in their life, a particular uh, behavior in their life that's contrary to the scriptures, this is a serious departure. If it's a serious departure from the truth, the Greek word here is aletheo, which carries the word conviction. So let me put it this way. My brothers, if anyone among you is led astray through error, they seriously depart from a conviction, okay? And someone brings him back, which, you know, change of, of belief to turn them back. Notice it says now in verse 20, let them know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save. Okay, so that word save is sozo. To rescue from danger, to deliver his soul from death. And the word death here is thanateos. And they will cover a multitude of sins. Now the reason why it's important to look at the word wanders and truth in the word here wandering, uh, wandering will save and then from death, the word save here is not salvifically. It's rescuing them from danger. Now notice, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders. So again, this is important because 
there would be times where James is clearly referring to Christians, and one indication we see is by the, by the reference that he gives to his audience, brothers, because he understood, and we have to understand this as well today, my friends, but we have to use discernment and be cautious that there are people among the brotherhood, people of faith in the household of God who are not followers of Jesus Christ. And so there are times when you'll hear a pastor or when you're in an audience that is primarily made up of Christians, predominantly made up of Christians, but they will refer to an audience of people who more than likely are not in that category. And that's what James is doing here because he also understands too with the paper trail that this letter will eventually have that people who are not saved, who are in or amongst Christians who are saved, they need to heed these words. And there's some warning. And now here, as he ends, he's talking about restoration, not salvation. And this is restoring a Christian. Now, if you and I go back in the preceding verses, as I was mentioning earlier in verses 16 through 18, you remember when James mentions, remember elders bringing healing and restoration to a fellow brother, and then he used Elijah as an example? And what did Elijah do? Elijah brought back a nation to God. He confronted the false prophets. He confronted the evil rulers of the day. And he was afraid of Jezebel, remember? And and Elijah was an example of one that God used to cause a nation to repent. This is important in context because what James is doing here strategically is he's masterfully in these last two verses laying out Three theological truths for the church to preserve and to carry on. Well, Jay, what are they? Number one is the moral living in correction. Now, remember, not moralistically. We don't save ourselves. We are justified by faith, not justified by works. But if we are Christians, we are to live like Jesus lived. And so number two, a theological truth that James lays out here is the destruction of sin. Listen, my friends. When you play with sin and you think it's no big deal, you're playing with fire, right? You've heard that, and it's true. And James here is talking about if you were to restore somebody who's wandered from the, the truth, the conviction that they have as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you can save that person. You can save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. What that means is, and we'll get to it a little bit more specifically, but what he's saying here when I talk about the destruction of sin is sin has consequences. Sadly, as a pastor through the years, I've come into contact with Christians or been at the deathbed of a child of God because they were overdosing. They're taking too many pills or they're addicted to a particular drug. Sadly, I've been in environments where a man has, you know, allowed his rage to get the best of him and cause him to do hurtful things to his family and to see how that's wrecking the family. So there's destruction of sin. We've, we've had loved ones, people who have overdeed, who've died. We've had loved ones who have known Christ as Lord and Savior, who have taken their lives. So he's talking about moral living and correction. He's talking about the destruction of sin. But three, number three, he's talking about forgiveness and restoration is possible. And I, you know, I think that 
You guys, there's so much truth in these three things. And sometimes, sadly, we just get one. Rather than helping us understand biblically, theologically, the three about moral living, being like Christ, being warned about the destruction of sin, and knowing, though, that there is forgiveness and that there is restoration as possible. And guess what? It's not just like, hey, repent of your sins and get right with Jesus. He's saying, brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, guess what that's saying is God's using you. You're stepping in there. You're calling it out. You're helping a brother or sister in the Lord. So in this short passage, James is not arguing whether over, he, this, this is important. He's not arguing over whether a Christian can lose his or her salvation. I've seen that in context from cer- certain uh, commentaries. And that I don't see that. And that's why on this podcast, I'm not talking about the end of this whole letter. After all the stuff that James has said is he concludes by losing your salvation. It makes no sense whatsoever. Plus, I don't even believe that the Bible teaches that you can lose your salvation. James's main point is about restoring Christians from sin and living a life of obedience to God. That's what he's talking about. So this phrase, if anyone among you wanders, James uses, again, he's been, he's, doing, he's been doing this throughout his entire little letter. He uses proverbial language to encourage Christians to restore fellow believers who have strayed from the faith. So let me just say this is not just as a side note, but as an emphasis marker in what we're discussing. My friends, that's what we're called to do. We are called to restore fellow brothers. Notice what Paul, and we're going to be dealing now with Galatians after James, okay? So look forward to that. Paul dealt with this very thing in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. He said, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So notice Paul is calling out these people who have wandered from the truth. He calls them foolish. He says, you've been bewitched. He says, it was before your eyes, meaning publicly, you have the proof, overwhelming proof. And yet, despite that, you are wandering into lies. And then he challenged them. Memory says, did you not receive? Are you not foolish? Can you really perfect what the Spirit has done? So he's challenging them, you guys. That's okay for us to do when at the heart of it, we are working alongside someone to restore them because we love them. And God has called us to love this person by speaking truth to them in love, in grace. Now notice, in this case, if this person who confronts this Christian who's wandered away says brings back a sinner from his wandering. So in all accounts, again, the wandering that's being used here, what is the Greek word again? Pleneo, to lead astray, to be, or excuse me, to be led astray by behavior or an error or, or some form of deceit. But it's a serious departure nonetheless. If you, Christian, listening right now, maybe you've been involved in this. 
Maybe you should be, and you're just contemplating it, and you've landed upon this podcast, and I'm going to help you through the power of the Spirit, through the teaching of God's Word, what you ought to do. And I've already said, you can't ignore it. Now, I will tell you, I'm no expert here either. And there have been plenty of times when I have dodged this as much as I can. I was just talking to a brother, a Christian brother who's a pastor, and there's times when God's laid things on his heart, and he does not know what to do with it. But in the end, God is clear in what he wants his children to do. The Bible's very clear in what we are to do. And the only reason why he's been questioning it or contemplating it or not acting on it is because he's afraid to do it. And we make excuses. We make excuses. And yet, think about it. What's going to happen to that brother or sister who's in sin? who's wandered away, if no one like you or me, who's mature in our faith, is willing to go after them, to chase them down, right? So this wandering from a Christian's perspective, what's happening is he's committing or she's committing a pattern of serious sin, okay? You, you and I, I'm sure, listen to this podcast, have seen friends leave marriages for someone else. I mean, I, I would still say, as a pastor, some of the hardest things I've witnessed is seeing a, you know, a family go through a divorce, especially when the husband has cheated on his wife and he's not repentant and he's with this other woman. He's basically forcing his kids to be in this family and say it's a good thing. I've, I've, I've stood you know, ground with men, you guys who are still coming to church in unrepentant sin, pretending to be someone they're not and thinking they can be, you know, one foot in, in the church and one foot in the, in the world and, you know, commit adultery. I've had pastors who are unrepentant of their sin. And so I'm not saying that every time you confront the sin, not, I'm not saying every time that you try to help a brother or sister get out of their serious departure that they're going to repent. So our job is not to ensure that that happens. Our job is to speak the truth in love. The NIV application commentary writes, quote, the wanderer may understand that the path chosen is a deviant path or if the wanderer has pursued the path accidentally or unconsciously, those teaching and practicing this error are certainly conscious of it as different from the truth that they know. This term conjures, conjures up a rich array of Old Testament references, most having to do with transgression of the law and more particularly with idolatry, end quote. So you see that in reference to this term wandering, we use the term backslidden, which is not a term the Bible typically uses. And when it has in reference to that is talking about the backsliddenness, if you will, of the nation of Israel. But this word wander in coming from the Old Testament references is about transgressing the law or a form of idolatry. And that's essentially what happens, right, my friends? No matter what the sin is, you start choosing something over God. That's an idol. So this form here where it says that you will save this person from death, James doesn't mention the types of sin, okay? So we have to assume 
that when he's saying saving them from death, well, again, as I was alluding to earlier, what can lead to physical death? Drugs, an overdose of drugs, alcohol. Eventually, if someone's an alcoholic and they don't get clean, they don't become sober. And again, that's not the whole mission. The mission is to be restored to Christ. But in the process, you become sober, right? Sex, you can get a, a transmitted disease, a sexual transmitted disease and die. Crime, you can be, be committing crime and, and uh, find yourself out in the streets in a shootout. So there's all types of different, you know, if you will, sins that can lead someone to die. Early in his letter, James, remember, he mentioned the deadliness of sin. Remember, he talked about if you don't keep yourself in check and submit yourself to the will of God and allow the power of the Holy Spirit, because if you're not in step with the Spirit, you will fulfill the desires of the flesh. All of us know that all too well, don't we? But remember, James told us in James chapter 1, 14 through 15, he says, each person, notice each person, is tempted when he or she is lured and enticed by their own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, catch this, gives birth to sin, and what happens? When sin is born into your life and you do not deal with it, or sadly, not entirely in blaming you or me or anyone else for that matter, but when you give birth to sin, and you're feeding it, and you know it's wrong, but there's nobody there. Nobody comes to check on you. Nobody calls you out. Nobody challenges you. Nobody comes alongside of you and says, I'm going to help you out of this pit before things get worse. It will fully develop and bring forth death. How many stories have we seen? How many testimonies have we heard? How many lives have been ruined when somebody thought they had it in check? Thought I had my drinking in check. I thought I had my sex life in check. I didn't think it was any big deal. I love that person, whatever the case may be. So the Bible says, though, one is you'll save this person from death. And I, I've been so blessed to be a part of several people's lives where they've been radically taken out of a dangerous environment. And if they were left there, if they continued down that path, they certainly would have died. But notice another thing is you cover a multitude of sins. This depicts God's forgiveness, you guys. This goes back to those three powerful truths that James is articulating at the end. How to live rightly. Understanding the destruction of sin, that judgment, the consequences that come as a result. But realizing and remembering and turning to the forgiveness that comes in Jesus Christ. And oftentimes, you guys, people encounter that because you and I go there in their darkness. And we can help people by telling them about the blood of Christ that is offered to us, that, is, that, that atoned for our sins. Remember in Psalm 32, verse 1, when David said, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Do you realize how many people are in bondage that they may be a Christian or they may be sitting there with you on a Sunday morning listening to the pastor preach? They may even raise their hands during worship. Don't be fooled to think that everybody around you has not wandered into sin. This is not particularly talking about the abandonment of faith. This is talking about somebody who's just getting 
wrapped up in a bondage of sin and they need help. But blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. So remember, even as a Christian, yes, Christ has atoned for your sins, but if you willingly, again, as James chapter 1, 14 through 15 talks about, if you willingly are deceived into accepting a sin, no matter how small it is, and you begin to feed on that and depend on that, and it grows, it can lead to death. In Proverbs 10, verse 12, hatred stirs with strife, but love covers all offenses. The loving thing to do is to restore a brother or sister in Christ by confronting the sin and helping them find a way out. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. You know what that means? It's not easy loving people. That's what that means. And it says, Peter says this, basing what I just read in Proverbs 10, 12, because love covers a multitude of sins. So that's the phrase that James is using here from Proverbs that Peter will later use in his letter, cover a multitude of sins. Love, truth, is greater than sin in lies, in deception. And what eventually happens is we become deceived. We're lured into believing that I can't live without the sin. That's a lie. Yes, you can. You're living before it. And you can live without it. But it, it takes people like us, my friends, who are willing to go there with that Christian brother or sister. So I pray this has been a blessing to you guys as we've studied the book of James, that your faith will continue to grow strong as God uses you to help restore Christians who are broken in the world. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at StandStrongMinistries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.